Do you love racing? Then you've come to the right place. We discuss current topics in most asphalt series, as well as deep dives into the history of racing, race cars, and the drivers. I'm NASCAR driver Derek Cope. I share some of my personal stories, as well as highlighting those people that shaped my career and others. I'm Alicia Cope, and we also take on controversial and engaging topics on many subjects, including NASCAR, as well as tips and tricks that have worked for us in building teams from scratch, keeping relationships, and finding new roads. Hopefully our experiences will inspire you to reach your own goals. Let's get started. Welcome back to Race Theory. This is episode 46. It's Road Racing 101. Today I'm going to talk about road racing in general, especially from a coaching perspective. And if you are listening from a perspective of a a coach for your kid or looking at just how to get and make your kid like road racing more effectively or try to become more proficient at doing road racing, whether you're starting in go-karts or if you have if you're running an open wheel car like a USF 2000 or a little Van Diemen or Formula Ford, and you're looking to start to make your way in a progression of trying to become more proficient in the race car without catching and getting and creating a lot of bad habits for yourself. So I really start with a number of things when I start working with someone young or start trying to look at, you know, them when I start to work with them after they've been racing for a while. And I really try to look and ascertain, you know, where are they currently at? What do they, you know, see? What do they look for? How do they conduct themselves and see their proficiency level as well and try to really understand what I have to work with and really, you know, their work ethic and how they view things. Because a lot of this really is an optical thing to start with, in my opinion. So to give you an example, you know, I've been working with a number of drivers since we started doing this program with Nitro Motorsports with their Trans Am TA2 program and now the GR86 Toyota Spec Series. My wife and I, in the past, have done driver development, and we've alluded to this on the podcast, you know, I think numerous times about, you know, how we've been involved in a a wide variety of things in racing, and driver development program really was kind of like our start to, to doing more coaching and more trying to take someone young, maybe from a different discipline, and then looking to try to help them make a transition from one type of car to another and broaden their perspective. And I think that's, you know, that's one thing that we, we try to look at is, you know, how do, how do you, you know, progress from one series to another? And we had, I I felt like a lot of success uh, early when we were doing this type of driver development program. We had a lot of, of drivers uh, from various areas and across uh, you know, the continent. We were taking drivers from France. We had drivers from Ireland. We had drivers from the UK. We had Swede, a Swedish driver. 
And then we had some American drivers as well that were coming from various forms of racing, some road racing, and that was kind of their forte. And then a couple of them were on the sprint car side, but they come from a road racing background. They were looking to migrate towards an oval background, you know, or, you know, to try to become an oval track racer. And so that's where we were going then. So, you know, now we're kind of in the road racing platform more so now. And by utilizing what, you know, platform we have with Nitro Motorsports, which is predominantly the, the Trans Am TA2 program, you know, we've been trying to work and, and, um, and learn and help, you know, the young drivers that come through in kind of a arrive and drive aspect, or if they actually own the car and they are, you know, paying for, um, help from Nitro Motorsports, taking the, preparing the car, taking the car to the racetrack, and then working with, you know, us to work with the data analysis, work with the video analysis, and to try to use the information that we're gaining from this, and then being able to take the other drivers that may be a little bit faster, and then try to overlay data, try to look and emulate you know, what your deficiencies are or where your proficiencies are, and then try to put those all together and hopefully create an enhancement to what their current status is. And I find this, you know, pretty interesting. And I hope that, you know, you are listening, that you're having some interest in this too. But, you know, a lot of it, in my opinion, like everything, you know, you really can, you know, find a way to become better. And there's obviously a lot of different aspects that are all encompassing of the actual race car driver perspective of how you become more proficient. And there's elements outside the car as well as driving the car. And we've touched on that numerous times. But I think where we're at right now is that when we get to the point where we're working with a driver, they have come from like karting and that's kind of the platform that nick uh, tucker has with nitro and where a lot of these kids have come from and the ones that we're working with you know have got that that first introduction through karting and then have either come into another form possibly a radical or a a usf 2000 or they have done a spec iron homologated type um car in road racing and then now they've stepped up and or in the TA2 program. It's interesting because it is different disciplines that the guys are doing, but still road racing related, you know, and, you know, karting is a great foundation for that because you are going left and right and up and down. Uh, you really have a tendency, I think, to move your eyes and, and get really accustomed to, you know, the back and forth sensations of a car and the lateral type of movements. And, you know, that's, that's important. And in an oval track scenario, you really don't have a great deal of that. And so, and that's why you see all the oval track drivers looking for opportunities in the Trans MTA too, or other things road racing related, because it seems like that's where the oval track side of things are migrating. 
uh, with the next gen car and cup level. And then look at Xfinity now. There's a great many more road races that a lot of these guys are going to. And they're looking at street course races more and more. And so it's imperative that you have a road racing background and that you can become relatively proficient at it. I know in my early days, I went to Bob Bondurant's driving school and there was, you know, a number of road races on the Winston West circuit. And that's what we really knew that we had to have some level of uh, proficiency there. And that's why I took, you know, those uh, courses. And, you know, obviously Riverside was really the first real big cup races that I would get the opportunity to go. So you had to get the, the road racing background so you could go and, and physically just make the race. And then obviously it ended up going to the streets of Tacoma and the streets of Spokane and SIR, Seattle International Raceway, which is now Pacific Raceways. And then I got to run Sears Point and Willow Springs. So there was a lot of opportunity to get some road racing experience. And then, you know, that would come in really handy for me later on when I made it to the Cup Series. And then I had some opportunities to get into the IMSA and then run you know, a number of times at uh, the 24 hours of Daytona. So, you know, I think if you're looking and listening at this from a perspective of, you know, where your child's at, uh, where that, you know, you want them to go or looking for a path for them to go down, I think that, you know, road racing is a good path right now. So that's why we've kind of put a lot of emphasis, my wife and I, on the road racing uh, scenario. And, and that's why we'll talk about a little bit later in this podcast about some of the things that we're doing externally uh, to have a fixture that we can do things more from than just looking and working with the, a child uh, at the racetrack or looking at data and analysis and then, you know, trying to coach from that standpoint. But currently, the, it is a great opportunity to be working with Nitro because I really, you know, obviously I'm related to Nick and, and Johanna and, and we love being around them and we love going to the Trans Am races just simply because of it's kind of like the old cup days. It's very enjoyable to be around, kind of laid back and uh, but a lot of opportunities to race and to, you know, to interact with a lot of these young kids coming through and listen to how that, you know, they look at racing and how they perceive themselves and uh, so, you know, I think you, you never stop learning. So you always kind of get into uh, the psyche of, of young kids and, and how they're looking at things and their perspective. And it's important, I think, to really understand perspective because, you know, they, all these kids are, they're all unique to themselves and they all view things differently. And that obviously depends on really where they're at and how, you know, how they're, they're racing uh, is going at that point in time and, and where they're at. And we've had the opportunity, you know, to work with some really good, young, talented race car drivers. Uh, Brent Cruz, Thomas Annunziata, Darren Mock, uh, Cale Phillips. We've had uh, Boris Sedd Jr. in the car here as of late. We've been fortunate enough in some of the test sessions that we've done to work with some of the Toyota drivers that are up and coming kids that are, you know, in their program, you know, like... Uh, um, Taylor Gray and Corey Heim, Chandler Smith, John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, we're working currently with Tony Breidinger. And, you know, we've done some things, some testing with Dean Thompson. And, you know, so a lot of these guys have kind of come through. 
and you get an opportunity to spend time listening to them, talking to them, and you know, you kind of get a sense of, you know, where their head's at. And, you know, I know that working, we work with Tanner Gray some too, and, and he's having a really good year. And, you know, you, you feel like that, you know, you listen to how these kids look at things. And it's important that you understand that, you know, a lot of race car drivers and a lot of these kids, you know, they are, they are young, very young, especially now. So, you know, it seems like anxiety is kind of something that I, I see a lot more, which, I really don't even have that real perspective on that because I really don't feel anxious or never have felt that way about things. And, and now I just see more and more that this is kind of a common thread uh, with young kids today. And the one thing that I have always believed in, in, in being around motorsports for pretty much my whole life is that race car drivers, a lot of them are relatively insecure. I think, you know, they, you know, they're only as good as their last race and, you know, they, they really put, you know, a, a lot of emphasis on what they're doing and they live and die by that, you know, that last race and then it hangs with them. And fortunately, if you're fortunate enough that you get to race every week, then you can kind of get it off your back and uh, on to the next race. But if, you know, it's a, if it's more time between your races and it's more difficult from a mental standpoint to get over your last race if it wasn't very good. And then depending on, you know, you know the people that you surround yourself with, you know, or how, how committed your parents are or your coaches or whatever you have, you know, lots of times there's a lot of pressure uh, and expectation put on these kids through that, that period of time. So, you know, for me, I really try to try to spend time with, if I'm doing a pretty in-depth work with the guys, I really try to spend time with them, get to know them and understand really about what, you know, how you deal with them, uh, I think, first and foremost. And some need, you know, motivation. Uh, some need, you know, some way to, I think, instill in them how good they're doing and to keep pushing them and, and trying to give them an idea of what to look for and how to do things and, and break things down more incrementally. And some people don't have to have that. Some people can, you tell them something and then it's like relatively easy for them to pick up or they just go out and they can pretty much do it. And then they're on to the next thing. So again, a lot of that, you know, is there's a lot of disparity in the drivers and how the, you know, how they, they were able to deal with it and uh, what you ask of them. And currently, like I said, I've, been spending probably the most time with Darren Mock. And obviously I've, you know, I'm, I listen to what the other kids say and do, and I've been privy to some of the test sessions now with, you know, like Thomas and the audience, his early days, we were doing a lot more things working with him. And, you know, the one things that we work on, you know, when you look at a road racing is depending on the car you're driving, you know, and especially in the lower divisions, you really either have to heel and toe downshift and match or else you have to be able to if you have a you know the gearbox if it's a you know kind of one of the newer crash boxes you know like an andrews or a g-force or you know jericho's things like that where they have straight cut gears and you don't really have to use the clutch you basically just have to we call a blip the throttle uh, or rev the engine up with the throttle while you're braking and then go into the gear that you're at your use so you never really have to touch the clutch anymore which in the old days, 
And when I went to Bond Ross Driving School, you had to basically put your toe on the brake and you would roll your heel over onto the motor, onto the throttle, and you would match the RPM while you pushed the clutch in to make the shift, uh, the downshift, so that you would, you know, not hurt the, uh, the transmission, which back in those days, the synchros would go very bad in like a top loader and things like that. So you'd be really, really had to be pretty good at being able to heel and toe downshift and make the, the shifts that way. And this day and age is not really that way anymore. So they can just stay their left foot on the brake and left foot brake and right foot on the throttle, rev the motor up, make the shift at the same time and not wheel hop going in the corner. So that's the things that I work on the most is technique. And I think when you look at, you're at the basics. So you're basically at road racing 101. You are trying to talk about the things that you should look for and the things that you should do uh, and the things that will make you the most proficient. And lots of times, you know, when, at first blush, when you work with someone or you see somebody come in and drive the car, you pick up, you know, deficiencies really quickly. You see what they're doing. They may think that they're, you know, doing really well. They're running pretty quick. But then they think, you know, they don't really think that, you know, there's something wrong with the car or what the setup is and that, you know, they're not really making any mistakes. and they're like, I don't know what else I can do. You know, this is, I'm, you know, car's not handling, it's not doing this, it's not doing that. And that's when I break things down for them. And I think if you, as a, as a, uh, a father or a mother or a coach or, or whatever you're doing, really trying to utilize what you have available to you. And in this day and age, having the availability to have in-car camera is, is probably the most important thing, you know, like the GoPro cameras and all the little things that you have that you can put on the car, in the car, and you can aim them, you know, at the driver's hands and at the driver's feet. And you can get a real perspective, you know, you can pretty much get a, a big view uh, and then one, you know, down the straightaway. So you can kind of catch his hands and catch the view of the driver's perspective optically out the front of the car as well which is probably my favorite just simply because you know it's so tied together and when you can see out the front windshield and see the hands of the driver and see him shift at the same time you can see so much you can see panic you can see you know uh, the sense of urgency or you can see the calmness i think it's easy to really pick those things up and kind of, you know, something that I've done for 40 years, you just kind of can put yourself in the position and see what they're going through. And that's why, and that's how I start. That's how I think it's important to look at, you know, a driver is to take the initial perspective of what they're doing in the car. If you're fortunate enough to have data, you know, where you now this, you know, pretty much is what they use in karting, the aim, uh, dash, and data is what all these kids have become very, you know, very good at, you know, looking at and understanding. I mean, they're very in tune to looking at the data, the brake, and they got braking, and they got throttle, they got speed, you know, they've got, you know, time over distance. They, they, you can look at so many elements with these, you know, pretty inexpensive uh, systems. And these kids have gotten pretty good at looking at this because they've been looking at it in karting and trying to use it to ways to overlay against the guys that are faster or, and, you know, maybe, 
you know, lap times that are better. And then you can kind of sense on, you know, where are you deficient at? And we did that in the cup series, you know, with, you know, some of the things that you start out with dart fish, which was kind of a shadowing of you know, one car to another. Then now they got, you know, um, other things that, you know, are capable of really the telemetry of you against all the other drivers now where you can really see where you're losing and when you're gaining and you can pretty much compare yourself to everybody else. And, and that's what, that's what's needed because the only way lots of times, especially now I see that most of these drivers, I mean, they're too busy driving and they really don't know where their hands are at a lot of the time. And then you let them look at their video and they look at the video and they see the lap, but they're really not really able to break it down and see some of the things that they're doing that really set them up for failure. And sometimes, you know, they run a fast, pretty fast lap, but you see some of the things that they're doing that they get away with. And it's just because maybe they just have some very unique raw talent and they're able to overcome those things. Um, but then there's some that don't have as much of that. And you just got to try to change the way that they view things and, you know, try to calm them down and make them understand what's needed of them. And that's what I think I've had the most success with. And the key is how receptive the person is. Some are highly motivated, some less motivated. And that is something that is sometimes hard to for me anyways, to swallow. I, I've i always been relatively intense, um, really want to be better, pushed myself, really don't want to settle for mediocrity. And, you know, I sometimes you just, you know, you just kind of see them there for more of a good time and they do the best they can, but yet, you know, it's not of a sense of urgency more so. And then there's guys that really want to be better and, you know, just have to find a, a way or a mechanism that will help them, you know, utilize what they're seeing, understand it. And, you, you know, you need the light to come on at some point. So they have to draw a correlation between these things. So it's my job to, you know, give them a template. Give them something that you can set them on a path that they have to try to utilize and become you know, they can use as useful to them that they can continue to work on and thrive with and then start to, you know, build some tendencies on why they do certain things and why they don't. And hopefully it becomes more instinctive for them. And that's how I approach it. I start with the basics. So when you physically get a video, and I think video is really important. The data is one thing. Uh, but I think the video is is first and foremost something the visual thing that you need first because racing is very visual. Racing is very the optics are really important. And for me, trying to get them to see the picture uh, is important. And that's how I like to work with the drivers, and that is to break the video down and. A lot of guys don't seem to like start and stop that and go through in a more of a sequenced, you know, frame by frame version. But it's very important that if you can, when you're working with your child or you're working, you know, whatever you're whatever you're doing, 
is to be able to take the video and just take the time and just break down the lap and just slow it down and take it frame by frame as they enter the corner uh, initially and see what they're doing with their hands. The first thing is they have to look ahead. And so many, when you're kind of very in the infancy of their careers, they have a tendency to kind of like drive on the end of their hood. And you really have to try to get them to look a lot further ahead and keep moving your eyes. So it's almost like once you get to a point and you can kind of deal with it on a peripheral basis or take your eyes off of what you were initially looking at and looking on to the next point to where you want to go because you physically will drive the car to where your eyes move to. So moving your eyes is a very important aspect of, of road racing because you're constantly looking for the next radius or the next, you know, apex or the next, you know, exit. Uh, and then that leads you for the next, you know, step to looking at the next corner uh, or the actual exit itself, trying to get as much straightaway speed as you can. So moving your eyes is a key element. And at that point, when I break it down frame by frame, I start to look at their hands. And you, the biggest thing that young drivers are doing these days is they guard the entry. And what I mean by the guarding the entry is, is that they basically stop turning the wheel or they counter steer into the corner, meaning that you know, if it's a right hand turn, they turn the car to the left a little bit to keep the rear of the car underneath the car. Because most young drivers have a tendency to feel like that the car steps out and what gets what we call yaw, and it starts to get out going the opposite direction and the car feels loose to them. And, you know, the drivers that are the most, you know, proficient at it are the ones that can stand the car in more yaw uh, where the tail is out the opposite direction uh, and without making a wheel input. So if you can stand the car to be out in the, in the rear, the opposite direction, and you don't turn the steering wheel, then that helps the car stay freer and turn and gets directional and will transition to the corner better. And there are drivers that, you know, have a tendency to want to stop turning going in the corner, uh, or they're afraid to turn the car, or they turn it the opposite direction to guard it because they're afraid the car's already going to be loose. Those preconceived notions or ideas really are probably happening before the car actually feels that way to them. but they just have a tendency that's just what they don't like and they kind of make sure that that doesn't happen and trying to get them to see that and view that and not allow that to happen so when you break it frame by frame by frame you can kind of help um, negate that and give them perspective and then if they're not doing that then the key is where's your turn in you know what is the element of speed on the turn in you know are you carrying a is this a high speed corner is this a low speed corner and in this day and age, you know, they're, the kids are, you know, they're just driving the cars hard and, and, and trying to go as fast as they can. But, you know, they're, they have to understand that you can overdrive a, a, a tire and the tire has a load factor and it's only going to take so much before it breaks adhesion. So pace obviously dictates whether the car gets directional the opposite at the point of you know of transitioning from the middle of the corner for the exit so that you can go back to throttle or carry more speed so there's a 
transition period that you have to allow the car to go, go through to get directional. And that typically comes with pace. So how you get out of the throttle, how much brake you use, uh, all those elements come into how the car transitions to the corner. And then being able to move your eyes and looking at the other path will allow you to go back to throttle. So, you know, obviously you got to get in the corner first. So braking is a key. And it always has been. Brake modulation, some of the best modulators of the brake are the most proficient and the ones that are the best and have the best pace and find the way to carry as much speed and thus create less time over distance. And that's what it's really about. When you're road, road racing, it's time over distance and pretty much all racing, really. So you, when you think about it, you have to break it down to at the point of which you start to deaccelerate, get out of the gas, and then you apply brake. And if you are downshifting and you're trying to go through from fourth high gear or fourth or fifth gear, and you're trying to get down to second or first gear, you know, all of those things happen in very short periods of time. And you're traveling at a high rate of speed and you're covering a lot of distance. So what you have to be looking to try and do is to try to figure out where your breaking point's at. And when you have to go through a trans, you know, a, a transgression of going through the gears and going down shifts down to the gears that you want to get through the corner. And, you know, you're basically taking off all that pace. And you really have to try to put your shifts together all as, as quickly as possible together with a higher peak stab of the brake initially. So. So many times you'll see your, you know, your child or you'll see your, you know, the person you're working with get it, go down to the first, first gear. They say they're in, you know, they're in fifth, fourth gear and they go to third gear, but then they wait and then they get crushed and they go to second and then first or third, second, and then first. But, you know, they've traveled all of this distance and they've coasted a long ways. Whereas if you can get them to spike the brake with a lot of brake pressure initially and take the major pace out of the, out of the car. Then they're able to put their gear shifts all together where they can steer one-handed and put all their shifts together. Third, second, first, all in a straight line. And then backhand, both hands on the wheel, and they can make their turn. And at the same time, moving their eyes, looking to where they want to go, and at, then away from the corner and looking farther out to where they want the car to transition to the edge of the racetrack. So it's really important that they understand the method to the madness. And so that's how, how we work with, how I work with the kids. And it's just one of those things where, you know, it takes time and, you know, sometimes, you know, they have to, you know, they have to go out and physically do it. And then they can, and then they, it kind of resonates with them at that point. And then they're able to really um, do it time and time again and be, and it becomes more instinctive and that's what needs to happen. So it's funny about how, unique your your body is and what it does your eyes very unique mechanisms you know and it's funny how things are attached right i mean you feel things in your rear end and then when the car you know feels a certain way you know then you your foot kind of is tied with that so you know it's trying to get those things to overcome the anxiousness and the you know the things that have a tendency to you know scare you not you know that you're leery about and apprehensive about trying to keep the calmness and keep the, that at, at bay 
And then for you to be, you know, comfortable enough to make those choices uh, of getting your, you know, your amount of breaking in, your downshifts in, and then moving your eyes and turning to where you want to go and allowing yourself to, you know, to throttle up. And, you know, it's, uh, it's very rewarding for me. You know, I mean, I've always been a driver and I always just wanted to drive and I didn't really, you know, I don't know, I didn't know how much enjoyment I would get out of seeing or teaching someone else uh, and having them, you know, make the strides and to get better. But I have to say that I really, I guess maybe because my driving career, you know, is over and, and I'm, I'm into finding something uh, that I can provide value for someone or I have worth to do those things and to see kids, you know, take that and that are receptive to it, you know, I enjoy, you know, I think at this day and age, you know, sometimes these kids think that they're better than they are. And a lot of them, you know, they just, they just feel like they know everything already, but yet, you know, when, when they're not going fast, they're dumbfounded or they have excuses. They just think, you know, they don't understand why that it's gotta be the car. It's gotta be this, it's gotta be that. And they just don't, take the time to really look at themselves enough to really realize that, you know, you really have to work on you a bit, you know, and you better understand really how this other guy is beating you. And, you know, you have to really pay attention. And, you know, I think the, the way your approach is, is very important. And I see it in some kids and I don't see it in others. There are kids that, you know, we work with that, you know, have a lot of pace and they tear up a lot of stuff, you know, and they make a lot of mistakes because they're pushing all the time. And you have guys that are maybe a little more apprehensive, a little bit more patient. They don't tear up anything and maybe they need to push harder. But once that they do and you see, uh, you know, the gains, I think that, you know, you, you just see so much more appreciation for, you know, what they're doing and how they're doing it that I really, I enjoy and I really am, you know, pleased to see them become, you know, better race car drivers and to have a lot more self-worth and, you know, feel more about excitement about going to the racetrack and, and going to race each week. And, you know, when you ultimately have children, I mean, you, I'm sure that that's, you know, your pride is there. You want them to do well. And, you know, when other kids are winning and you're not, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing. and. And that's why I just try to work with the guys that need the most help. And I want them to, you know, to really make inroads. And that's what we've been doing. And I think that we're seeing the fruits of our labor uh, week in and week out. And uh, we've been, you know, I've had a lot of, a lot of great enjoyment working with the guys that I work with. You know, I work with Cale Phillips a lot uh, in the Trans MPA too, and Darren Mock more and more. and then I'd work with Tony Breidinger uh, with the GR86. And those are primarily the guys that I utilize. And I'm doing some coaching now for, um, you know, uh, a little bit here and there. I haven't really done a, a lot yet, but we've kind of touched on some things with Danny Dashelsky. And uh, and so, you know, we're just kind of keep working on these on these things and look for other opportunities. And, you know, if other people want help, then, you know, we try to find, uh, try to find time to do that. So. That's kind of where we're at and what we're doing. And this past weekend, we were at uh, Road America. And Alicia and I, we love to go to the races. We love Road America. 
Now, we love going up there. We've obviously been up there with the cup cars and the Xfinity cars and our own uh, Xfinity teams and had a lot of fun up there and then always enjoyed racing there. And so we were there this weekend and it was a great weekend overall. Uh, we had uh, a lot of success and a lot of pace uh, in practice and in qualifying. We did have some problems with a couple of cars and uh, we're trying to, you know, they had things breaking and some things weren't, uh, you know, going all that well with Thomas and Seattle's car. And then uh, same with Boris said, uh, Jr. Boris, he got off the racetrack a number of times, tore the car up. So we spent a lot of time working on the car and trying to, you know, rectify some of those things there, but did a nice job and found more pace. And, you know, by the time we got to the, uh, you know, to the race, you know, obviously uh, Brent Cruz had the pole and has been fast from the, from the onset. And, our other drivers uh, were were quick well as well, and then qualifying was was, uh, I mean, maybe not fantastic because they had problems with qualifying, and you only got so many laps, and you got held up. So, you know, it's very typical sometimes where you have a fast car and you make good laps, but yet you don't get as many laps because somebody falls off the racetrack, and it takes time to then go get them, and next thing you know, you only got three, four, or five laps. So, you know, it's just um, that's part of that's part of the deal. And uh, but when the race started. We really had a a great race. You know, Brent just did what he did last year, and that was lead from the pole, never really challenged, and just pretty much put a whooping on him. And uh, you have to give Brent Cruz a lot of uh, accolades because he is a very talented race car driver, and he doesn't make many mistakes, and very calm in the car, and he just pretty much, um, you know, gave him a lesson. And uh, one went pretty much one hands down for a second year in a row. And um, he's doing a very nice job. And, you know, Darren Mock, uh, really, I was working with Darren, spotted for Darren, and we had a really good race. And he really drove hard all day long, uh, really was in a position to, you know, have a little better finish than we got. I think we ended up seventh. Uh, but we were, you know, just a little bit aggressive. And he was very aggressive, which I love to see. And uh, just made a couple little mistakes, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, got a little greedy and tried to, you know, get it done a little quicker. And, and uh, you know, we got run off the racetrack and then lost a couple of spots, but fought back. So really a good effort for us. I think Thomas finished sixth, uh, Darren finished seventh. And then Boris had a problem with uh, camber shims and then some errors, got some laps down, but still ran some very fast laps late in the race. But overall, great weekend for what we did up there. But again, just, you know, just to see. Uh, the progression of the speed that we had and the consistency we had and him making the uh, the choices after really breaking down all of his data, breaking down his video and him studying it at night makes me just really proud that, you know, our guys are taking and putting in the work. Uh, their work ethic is what it has to have. And uh, they're striving to be better each week and in a very stiff competitive uh, arena. Trans Am TA2, I mean, there's 40 some cars and very, I mean, some top-notch drivers. These kids uh, have been driving for a while. Some of these guys that are, that are a little bit older have won championships, and these guys are going toe-to-toe with them. And just, uh, I think, serving notice that, you know, these kids are, are someone to be reckoned with. So it really is an exciting stage or a period uh, of time in Trans Am and road racing. So I'm excited for that. And that kind of segues me to what Alicia and I, you know, kind of have been working on you know, to try to maybe 
I don't know, kind of enhance or expand on what we're doing from a coaching or driver's perspective uh, in driver development. And we have acquired uh, a Radical, which is a two-seat um, high downforce, kind of an LMP2, LMP3, you know, um, aero proficient race car, which is going to be a great tool for me to use from coaching and, and, and teaching how to drive a race car. So that's what we're doing. And, you know, I'm really in the process now of just trying to get our complete program up and going. So we're pretty much self-contained. We have our own, you know, little hauler and that, you know, Alicia and I can do it together so that we can take care and do some corporate outings where, you know, if a company wants to do kind of a, a motivational program or a pl- employee incentive program, we can, we can do a nice hospitality uh, event, speak, uh, you know, and, you know, give some rides along the way and we can, you know, we can give rides at the racetrack, kind of a, a drive along, a ride along type of program called Hot Laps, which we're, is on our website. You can go to DerekCope.club or RaceTheory.club and you can see the picture of the car. You can understand what pricing about what it is to come and just get you know, maybe three laps in the car as a ride along program. And then there's opportunities for myself to do some speaking engagements and or motivational speaking and the opportunity to utilize the actual race car in conjunction with one or two of those and put together a nice corporate outing at a you know racetrack near you uh, or someplace that you want to go to, you know, more venue specific. And then we can do a nice program there and you can tie in motorsports as a way that is a team building uh, perspective. And or if you just are a driver and maybe starting to drive something or want to drive something and you're just wanting to get uh, taught how to drive a race car, um, this is a great option. Uh, you can sit in the car and, you know, you can ride along first and then you can drive and I can ride along. And it gives us opportunities to do video and data and teach you how to become a race car driver and to get the most out of your abilities, uh, whatever you know, for a time frame you're at. So that's the unique thing about our, our race theory ride along program hot laps. So I hope that you'll take the time to check it out on our website. Once again, it's race theory.club or derekcope.club. And you can take a look at that and see if that's something that you may have interest in. And we're excited about it. I know that, you know, I'm hoping that we'll have it all pulled together here. Spend a little bit of time getting everything pulled together that we could do it. I will be doing a test run here, hopefully the end of this week. And by the end of next week, for sure, we'll have everything um, ready to go and that we can go to uh, any place that we need to go from there and do a really nice job. So uh, it's an exciting uh, time for us with this. I think it's kind of like the, you know, the next evolution or the next steps uh, in what we're doing in motorsports. So we've pretty much done it all. I've been the driver and, We've owned our own cup teams, our own Xfinity teams, our own truck teams, and then we've done driver development. And then we ran the cup thing for Starcom. And now we're, you know, we've been spectating and now we're coaching. And now we're going back to, you know, more of a driver development or coaching or just a corporate outing and more of the, of the hospitality and VIP experience aspect that we kind of utilized in the cup series for many, many years. So. If you have a need for something, have an interest in something uh, that is motorsports related, 
we feel like we have pretty much what you need. And I can talk racing and we can teach racing and we can also race. So there's all kinds of opportunities. And, you know, again, if you are some young fathers out there or you're, you know, you've got a child that's racing in some, uh, you know, some division somewhere and you're looking for a path to go down or you're kind of at that unique age where you're only 14 or 15 and you're looking for what the next steps can be or what they should be, then certainly reach out and spend some time with us and we can find a way that we can sit down and create a plan of attack and maybe some guidance along the way that would put you in a position to, you know, showcase their potential in the best possible way and give you some ideas and thoughts on how to work on sponsorship or how to work on trying to get more visual. And then, you know, we also work with the drivers uh, in other uh, elements or things outside the car, which comes down to their capabilities to speak well, represent themselves and or a brand. And then ultimately to create their own brand, which is imperative in this day and age. And, you know, Alicia's very adept at the social media standpoint. We have a lot of people that can work with us. We've got great resources outside of that from marketing and PR and all kinds of photo uh, opportunities to put together a nice package or video or, you know, some type of a uh, piece that would help you showcase um, your, your son or your daughter. So. Keep us in mind, there's a lot going on here at uh, Race Theory, and we're, we're delighted that you're listening. And again, if you have any thoughts or concerns or questions, uh, please get a hold of us at racetheory.club or derekpope.club and send us your thoughts. And we'd be more than happy to try to you know, touch base on those things in one of our future um, episodes here and enlighten you more or answer your questions for you. So with that, I appreciate you listening in this week, and we'll see you next time on Race Theory. Thank you so much for listening. Did this episode give you some value? If so, please follow us on Facebook at Derek Cope and Instagram at Derek Cope 0 and leave a comment or question and use hashtag Race Theory. We can't wait to hear from you. See you on the next episode.